How's it going? Hey guys, how y'all doing? I'm Dash. Knox is here too. How was your week? It was uh, worky. Not a whole lot to do outside of uh, work. Ah, so I, I, I had the opposite kind of week. Oh um, yeah, you did. Sorry to hear that. Oh well, no, no, it's fine. I, no, I, I do contract work, so being between contracts oh. is something that is pretty common. Gotcha. So, uh, so yeah, I've I've basically been on vacation for a week. Um, so I got a lot going on <laughs> right now. Um, because yeah, I, I I take this off work time and like fill ev- fill up with uh, with all my my hobby things that I do. Yeah. See, so, I. That's actually kind of interesting and maybe be, might be a, a, a subject for a different day, but I specifically know that when I was <clears throat> between contracts, uh, I couldn't do like Twitch gaming. I couldn't do anything at all. It was just like an overwhelming sense of guilt that I was like, okay, I need to find another job. <laughs> oh, gotcha. So, um, yeah, yeah. I I have uh, like a contract manager that looks for other contracts gotcha yeah i don't have so (laughs) yeah yeah so so for me it's like the opposite you know because of that you know i have i you know i i i don't uh you know they get a cut of it right so like it lowers my what i end up taking home at the end of the day a little bit but it provides me with like this time where I, i i can just sit back and be like i'm gonna you know, stay sharp mentally, uh, yeah. but uh, but like enjoy the time between the contracts as you know, as if it's a vacation. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So it's been good. I've been uh, playing, uh, dude. Uh, I've just been playing Valheim for the last week, but it's different this time. All right. Here's what's going on. Right. Um. I was watching Lobos Jr., pretty popular Twitch streamer. He was doing a solo, hardcore Valheim run. So it's solo, and then hardcore is a self-imposed permadeath, you know? Mm-hmm. And, of course, you don't know the seed and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, damn, that sounds really fun. So I started my own, right? Played it for, like, uh, 20 hours, probably, and I fucking died. Oh, no. To, like to here's what was going on right i uh i up i got all the leather at the start upgraded all my shit and was fully prepared to fight aether right and i did it and it was easy he was he's a pushover first one's easy uh then well hang on i I guess we should we should back up a little bit so i know this is actually probably statistically numerically the most talked about game on this entire podcast by the numbers but I guess you know not everyone's going to hear every episode. So Valheim is oh yeah, yeah quick yeah. primer is this quick survival uh, fantasy Viking in the weird different dimension where you you have essentially uh, the baby between the forest, which is a survival sim, and Minecraft, which is a building sim. Um, it's way more different than that. But if I had to nail it to two games, that was those are the genres I'd try to remind you of. Um, we yeah I, I I noticed that you were playing this and and I was like man like my I, I have I have friends that joke is Sea of Thieves the new Valheim for me since I spent so much fucking time just in just playing Valheim therapeutically that I was like you know I wonder so I go to Steam and I look at how many hours in Valheim I have logged and it's more than I thought it was it, I have oh, yeah? a, I have a hundred and thirty eight hours logged and okay I, in Sea of Thieves I just over I just hit a hundred so. 
maybe it is my next Valheim, but I, I totally get going back to it, especially if you have this new interesting challenge where I thought it was going to be like, when you said hardcore, I assumed permadeath, but I was like, hmm. when I hear hardcore, I'm used to hearing like that in the first person shooter perspective where you just don't have a HUD and bullets do more damage and all this shit. So I didn't know oh. what was going on. So I lurked you for a bit and saw that you were just doing permadeath and I was like, oh, wait a minute. That changes up everything about how you have to move and, 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 and sleep at night and all this stuff. So yeah, it's a cool thing you're doing. How is it? Uh, so yeah, first time, right. I, I died. I, I, I got completely prepared to fight Aether and then he was a huge pushover. And then I got totally prepared to fight the elder, which takes a lot more time because yes. you get, uh, after you fight Aether, you get access to be able to start mining and then you have to mine just a shitload of tin and copper in order to make all the bronze necessary to make. I wanted an axe a pickaxe, a sword, a shield, a helmet, you know, torso, legs. Yeah, and, and uh, you're almost doing stuff. this as, like a speed run almost. Like you're not speed running, I don't think, but like from what you're trying to do, it seems like you're trying to see if you can make it to to like silver or something like that. Well, yeah, I, well, right. So it's not like a speed run. It's a can I do everything run, you yeah. know, kind of the opposite. So it's like the opposite of a, a, of a speed run in that, like, if I need to take more time, I'm gonna because the priority is to not die. But I am going to try to go as fast as I can, though, because some of this shit takes a long time to do yeah, in this game. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I spent all the time fully upgrading all my bronze uh and made some fire arrows and i went and i fought the elder and i beat him too and it was great the elder was a lot harder than ache was and i was the, really the elder glad is a was... straight up raid boss for sure yeah i was really glad that i was prepared for him um but then then i'm looking for a swamp right because that's the next place that you want to go to to start getting iron looking for a swamp i found the merchant you know and i was all pumped up like yeah i'm gonna go buy some shit I'm going to go to the swamp. It's going to be great. But before I do that, I wanted to, like, fully map out the continent that I started on, you know, before sailing out. I wanted to, like, get the lay of the land of, of where I spawned. And the continent was fucking huge. So it took me forever to just, like, run around the perimeter of it to map it. And, like, 90% done doing that, I spot a two-star troll in the distance. And I'm like, ah, two-star troll. I'm decked out in bronze that's fully upgraded. One-star trolls are no problem. I'm going to fuck with this guy. <laughs> so I shot like a couple arrows at him, and he came at me. He was one of the ones with the logs where they yeah. where they swing a log at you. And like I got up in his face, and I parried like a couple of his hits, but they were hitting pretty hard and were kind of hard to parry. And then he fucking beans me with one hit <laughs> down to four HP. And I'm like, Fuck. So I I open my inventory and pop a, a health potion, except it was only a minor health potion, which at this point I didn't realize they suck because uh, I hadn't had to use one yet. But oh, I, I took the potion and I tried to just turn 180 degrees around and just sprint away, you know? And as I'm doing that, he beans me a second time and fucking kills me. Fuck. Uh, rough. Yeah, yeah, and I'm just, I'm think I'm playing it back in my head, you know, like, oh, I should have just tried to parry him again, I should have just Dark Souls rolled through his attack. Yeah, I, I didn't think you could parry that, I thought you'd have to roll. 
I, I well, I should have done anything else besides just like turn my back to him and try to run away, you know. Yeah. Uh, so so that that so that killed me. Then though, so that was that was before I was streaming it. Then I was like, okay, so I I'm gonna start over. I'm gonna try this again, and this time I'm gonna stream it. Um, so <sighs> that's a lot of stuff again. to lose. Yeah, all the bronze, man. So I started over. Uh, this time, because Aether is easy, I didn't, like, bother with all the leather this time, you know? Because chasing boars around for so long just to get a bunch of leather, just to fight that yeah. pushover, so that you can immediately replace it all with bronze, I was like, eh, I'm just gonna fight him, like, right away. So I did, killed him, everything was fine. Back to the bronze hall, right? Spent a good eight... 10 hours, probably 8 hours, uh, mining bronze. and Well, you're doing a lot more, though. This is what I love about the game, is, like, there is so much to keep you busy. Where there it's is. Like, there's three it's games like, in one. I was, I was talking to a friend about this earlier. It's, like, there's the hunting, there's the exploring, and then there's, like, the world building, which is three whole fucking experiences in their own. And it's, like, yeah. you could just spend hours. Yeah, so like when and when you're playing on your own, man, you got to do everything, yeah. you know? Like I'm mining, right? Now the smelter is all filled up. So now I'm going to go like make sure while I'm doing that I'm chopping enough wood to keep the kiln full and also enough wood to like build a new building so I can do some other stuff. Oh, I need some more leather for like to build, the, you know, an upgrade for the for the workbench so I'm killing the animals. Oh, I'm running low on food so I need to go cook some more meat. Oh, no, now fucking uh, the fermenter, right? I need to uh, keep up with my beehives so I can put the honey in the thing and make mead and yep. get that in the fermenter. A lot like, of micromanagement. Gotta, yeah, you got to do all this stuff. So it's like never, like this game has always made time disappear. Yes. But like I, I played the game for 12 hours straight yesterday without even like hardly even thinking about it you know like i didn't even look at the clock for the first eight hours it's so easy know? to do that with valheim too it just melts away yeah so so i got all the bronze again right i did it i was fully upgraded because the elder was hard enough where i was really glad that i had everything upgraded the first time so upgraded everything all the way again and this time, you know, I sailed around. I found the merchant again. I found the swamp that I was going to go to. Oh, it's going to be great after I go fight the elder. Don't say leech. Don't say leech. No, no. I killed a couple leeches. They dropped some blood bags. I made some, I made some health potions out of their blood bags. It was great. I already had poison resistance before I even went into the swamp, you know. Oh, good. Um, How do you get poison resistance? Uh, it takes a necktail, coal... Uh, uh, thistles and honey, I think, is huh. the... So, yeah, you can get poison resistance before you go to the swamp. I didn't know that. Um, but I hadn't fought the Elder yet, you know. This was... I was doing all this to get ready, right? And then I went to go fight the Elder, and, uh, uh, the Elder fucking killed me this oh, time. No. I died to him this time. It was like, oh my god, this... Uh, you know what happened? Here's what happened. I woke up that day and ate all my food right and then i and then i sailed to the elder and ran to him and by the time i got to him it was like it was in that shit spot where it's like i no don't have recovery. very yeah 
I don't have very much max HP anymore because I haven't eaten in a while, but I've eaten recently enough where I can't eat. Yeah, you know? it's the awful zone where it's not healing you anymore, but you can't do anything in a pinch. Yeah, so like I didn't really realize it until after I was fighting him, and then I was like, wait a second, why is my max HP so low? And then he did that like shotgun root attack, and I didn't really dodge it properly and just just took it right right in the face and Yeesh. uh oh it got me so it's like so what's funny though is that so you said that you played the game for like 130 some hours i'm at like 160 some now which kind of means that we played about the same amount until yeah. i started trying to do this this solo hardcore thing mm-hmm. um but yeah so that's where i'm at now it's a really good challenge it's really fun i really like playing the game this way um and uh, I on Monday, hate playing the game that way. <laughs> Fuck on Monday, that. I think I'm gonna start again. Jesus, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. The the I, I talked about this before. We talked about doing permadeath runs, which is just losing shit in that game feels devastating. I can't imagine doing building the entire world myself and then losing it and then just doing it over and over again. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's one of like it's it's a thing with me in video games where like I I've with a lot of games I've learned to like stop being attached to things, you know. But with Valheim, it still did take a little bit. Like, oh, you should have been there when I was. So I was playing with Nicole, and we were going through the bosses again. You know, after we played through everything once, uh, we played through everything again on like a local server this time, you know, and when we were going to fight motor, you know how you have to take the big heavy eggs up to his nest. I haven't gotten that far. What? I never got to the mountains. What? You need to get back on that shit, dude. Well, my entire server of friends stopped playing and there was no reason for me to play alone. (laughs) I didn't like playing Uh, that game alone. Yeah. You do need like, I, I would say, yeah, like I really enjoyed having one person to play with for the first for the first time, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I thought having two people was, was really well balanced. Uh, but okay, anyway, a point is, you have to carry these big heavy things. And I was like, alright, alright. Looking at Nicole and my inventory weights, you know, it was like, okay, if I gave her all of my shit, then I would be able to carry two eggs and she could carry one. Oh, we could get one more and save a trip, you know? Yeah. So I like tossed all my stuff to her on the boat, you know? And then we went up there, and we put the eggs down, and I'm like, all right, give me all my shit back, and she gives me all my stuff back, and I'm like, yeah, okay, and the sword? And she's like, what do you mean the sword? And I'm like, and the the black metal sword, you know? And she's like, I don't have a sword. So, we, (laughs) it turns out, I had tossed all of my stuff over to her on the boat, and the sword, the sword, like, fell through the boat, and she didn't (laughs) pick it up into the water, and man, I... I spent like a half hour trying to like take the hoe and like raise the ground, like raise like a (laughs) land bridge to try to lift it up out of the deep water, you know, to get it back. And oh, it it was so frustrating because like you're raising the land in the water, but the waves keep coming up and lifting you up. And then you put your shit away because you're swimming now. Then you go back down and you have to take it back out. And then you slip off of the thing that you raised up. So you're then you got to swim back to shore and then walk down your fucking land bridge again. And it was like so fucking frustrating. (laughs) And then though, at some point I realized like this thing is gone. Like I'm not getting this thing back. So I went back to town and made another one in like five minutes. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> God damn it, I should have just uh oh. I was so attached to the one though, you know. 
That is, I, I mean, to to speak less of video games here, I, I'm trying to get into that same mindset too, where the, I, I, I'm trying to recognize things for what they are when they're going to take 30 minutes to do something when I could just spend five minutes that I don't want to spend making it way less a pain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's good that you yeah. realize that in a video game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I know what you mean with that kind of stuff. Like, I, a, a lot of the time, if I, it, in real life, if I have to do something again that I've already done, I have a lot of anxiety about it because I'm always afraid that I'm not going to do it as well the second time, you know? Huh. Like, uh, like I get really attached to, like, the way that it happened the first time, you know? And then I'm, like, afraid that the second time it won't work as well. Um, oh, and, yeah, that's, that's something I'm trying to get over. Hey, maybe I'll think I'll think about that valheim sword next time and be like yeah it's gonna it's gonna work better the second time how about that what it was like a you you said it was a black metal sword yeah that's a a, a, spoilers man you got to get to the black metal all right (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean maybe i will i i have a friend who says he's willing to play and i think someone else okay i have two friends who said that they'd be willing to play uh if we started a new server so maybe i might eventually do it again but i'm still so so stuck in sea of thieves because it's just completely taken over my my drive to play valheim which is just i needed a meditative chill game where i can do stuff and and have fun and still have there have there be a feeling of permanence of of not necessarily on the things you build but on the things you acquire and uh yeah overall it just is a pretty fun pretty and fun game so one thing that sea of thieves has going for it uh too is that you don't have to rent a server to that's play another huge who, thing yes yeah because like, i'm you, lucky enough to be playing with nicole where we can just have a be on a local server you know mm-hmm. how are you hosting that by the way are you do you have like uh, another machine just running valheim while you connect to yeah it? i've got a laptop that i use for like my drum set for okay. like sheet music and stuff and i just have that running the server that's cool. I didn't. I didn't know a laptop could handle it. That's good to know. Yeah, it takes like uh, it takes like a couple gigs of RAM, you know, which I, I'm sure that amount increases as the world gets explored True. or yeah. as you do stuff to the world. Oh, that's right, because they said like yeah, the the terraforming is really what causes the most amount of 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 hang up because yeah, that stuff they- all has to get processed in real time. Mm-hmm. They did rework the terraforming system, though. Oh, did and they? It works better. Yeah, it works oh, better now. So one thing I guess we ha- we haven't mentioned yet is, as of the recording of this podcast, this game is still in early access. So we're talking about yeah. like we beat this game, now we're speed running, and now we're doing all these other kinds, and the game isn't even finished yet. <laughs> yeah, and it's also worth noting that like since last time we talked a bunch about it, there isn't anything new in it. You know, did they ever they, finish like, they, the 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 land that that other biome that was not to be spoken of? Sand spoilers. Nah, pretty much nothing is 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 new right oh, now. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, they've just, uh, you know, they've done patches that, like, fix things and that kind of stuff. It's important. Uh, apparently, yeah, apparently their big, like, content pack is, is still on the way, though. That's fine. Um, I'd rather, I would, I've played so many other games where the opposite was true, where it came out, everyone was hyped for it, had a fuck ton of bugs, and they only wanted to put out content for it because they were mm-hmm. paranoid that people would get bored and leave. And it's like, no, they're going to leave because the game's fucking broken. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's kind of the problem with early access is that like normally. Mm. Oh, this and, wasn't and an early the, access game that I'm referring to though. But go ahead. Oh, okay. But either way, take this with a grain of salt because I I don't I've never shipped a video game before. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I'm either. From my perspective, what I can see is that like I would expect that you would not wait or you would not worry about like ultra compatibility and optimization until way later in the development process. You know. Like that that seems like that seems like end development kind of stuff. I don't know. I mean, it, when you're dealing with something if I I'm I'm speaking out my ass here cuz I'm not a game developer in the in the slightest, but I would think when it comes to game optimization and how it performs, like yeah, you want to touch up things here and there, like uh make things more efficient in the game later on in the dev cycle, but like I'm when I think about um when I think about just trying to optimize it and get, get, keep it running smoothly, I think about, like, that's one of those things you want to do early on in the dev process because it's just going to get worse later. I don't mm. know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Because I've always assumed that it was later stuff because, you know, you're trying to get everything, wor- like, literally working first, right? Well, you don't want to build um, your castle in sand, on, on sand, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could see it either way, but that's always been my assumption. And so then you look at early access, where it seems like if you're going to release a game on early access, that forces you to push that optimization and that compatibility kind of stuff right up front, where now you have to do all that first uh, or at the time of release, and then you can continue working on uh, new content and stuff. And I wonder how much that disrupts the development cycle and makes the game take ultimately longer. I don't know, especially with a game like Valheim, which wasn't, isn't the dev team, or isn't the company like eight people and only one person actually develops? I remember hearing it was five people. Uh, it's a but yeah, small crew. Yeah, I'm not sure what each person does. And yeah, that's one of those things where it's like, so it's like, you know, the game comes out, I've never heard of it before. So all of a sudden, there's this giant game that's got potentially a couple hundred hours of gameplay for me in it, you know, all of a sudden, right? So then now it's kind of weird from my perspective to then have to wait, you know, possibly a couple years for the last 20% of it to be done or that kind of thing, you know what I mean? Do you think early um, access is now becoming norm? Uh, I don't know. It's it. Well, I don't buy a whole. I don't buy enough Steam games to cons- to have an opinion. I guess, but like, I I feel like the phenomena of early access game. Uh, here's a husk. We'll start filling it out as you enjoy it. Uh, get to playing. I I think well, that I, model is getting more and more accepted. Like a lot of people used to be really mad about the idea of it, but I like it. Um, I could get real cynical here because uh, not with indies, right? Indies they can do whatever they want, and some games are early access and some aren't. And I, I don't think it's the norm necessarily, but you know, plenty of indie games do it, and that's fine. But then there's a lot of AAA games that come out in early access without saying that they do. You know what I mean? Uh, games well, that just course. come out fucking half finished and and with all kinds of bugs, and then they. And then they slowly finish is, the game with content updates over time, or they just completely abandon it, like Anthem. Remember Anthem? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think I remember the name, but that seems symptomatic of the description of the company that you are now talking about. In yeah, that yeah. <laughs> I, right. Yeah, if we, I, I don't know. 
so yeah, you know that that's the kind. I, I mean, I I think I'm preaching to the choir if I complain about that kind of stuff. Uh, where it's like that, but that that's the kind of thing. I I don't talk about it all that much because those are games that I generally don't play anyway. Like I wasn't gonna play Anthem, right? It doesn't matter if it was good or bad when it came out. It was not my kind of game, right? I don't even know um, what it is really. So it doesn't really matter. It it was a a looter shooter. Um, which is kind of funny because I did get really into Destiny, all right? But uh, I liked Destiny, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And so Anthem was like, it, Anthem kind of seemed like it was like a mix of Destiny and Warframe. Oh, I didn't in play that, Warframe. like, it's like a third person looter shooter where you're mm-hmm. in like a, a, a mech suit kind of thing, you know? Like a Warframe, sort of. Yeah. Um, I, I think there was a game. Um, shit. Uh, the, I, I want to say it's Titanfall, but I know it's not Titanfall. Um, I want to say it's... I know it's not Warframe, but there was there was a mech game that I can't remember what it was that I loved. I played it for like eight hours and then stopped forever because I was like, this is dangerous. Um, fuck. I know it's a mech shooter game, and I'm looking here in my Steam library, and I don't actually okay. see it. No, I love Never this mind. game. Get, the game of what what game am I thinking of? What okay, so oh, yeah. you're okay. in a mech suit and and you do what? So did you ever play uh Mech Assault, which is the first Mech Warrior game on Xbox and the, the difference being that it's a BattleTech game except now now in this world of giant mech suits you can also be the pilot who runs around on like a little human he's like a little human and he uh maybe there's like a mini mech suit he can get into i think the power loader from aliens <laughs> except it's not that it's just a, a, an enhanced strength suit or something like that and then there's also the big robots it was kind of, it, it had that feature in it um you okay you said a lot of words there but ultimately you're saying so you were a little guy and you got into a mech suit you're a human you get into a mech suit and you start fighting people and it's a it's like a team deathmatch big arena mech not well not even arena just I think like this is just titanfall i don't think it's titanfall i think it's something else could you like could you do like little wall runs and stuff and don't like think the, so. mo- Wait, the movement uh, was really agile i think it depended on the mech you used Oh, I mean, when you're a man, when oh, you're a human, that you I, like... I don't think so. Uh-huh, this is killing right. me. I wonder. It had to be in my Steam library, but I don't. Hawken, Hawken, Hawken. H a w k e n. Yeah, there we go. I played 14 hours of it, and I last played it in 2014. Um, but yeah, it's a fast paced or fast paced action like mech combat game. Um, it just. It was one of those games, I think, where I think I played it because it was free and uh, it didn't offer a lot of content if you didn't pay for it. So I was like, eh, I'm not going to keep playing it for it. Or paying, paying it. Playing it. Sure. Yeah. But we were right before that, we were talking about Sea of Thieves because how it contrasts with Valheim. You, uh... I can now th- safely say that after 100 hours of playing the game... There is definitely a, a more unrealized loss in the game when you lose your ship. Like that was one of the first things I noticed when I when I compared it to Valheim, which was in Valheim you have to get all the resources needed to make a you have to learn the recipe to make a boat first 
and then you have to get all the re- uh, the, the resources needed to make it, which uh, which I think happens at the same time. Once you learn iron nails, it gives you the boat recipe. But anyway. yeah, yeah. To be fair, like yeah, you learn the recipe by acquiring the materials. Yes, yes. which I did like. I, I liked that. I didn't like that that mm-hmm. I didn't have to hunt for a fucking recipe in a game. That would have pissed me off. Um, but this specifically, I've noticed. Like, here's actually a good example. So the the content they just released for it, which was Pirates of the Caribbean themed, has Captain Jack Sparrow, all the crew of the Black Pearl in it, um, as well as some other characters from the movie series. They have... Okay, so quests are two different things in Sea of Thieves. You have it, You have voyages, which is just, hey, go here, kill this guy. Hey, go here, find this treasure. Gathering quests, but fun, essentially. And they're shorter. Then there's Tall Tales. And Tall Tales are much longer epic multiple island spanning quests that often involve a lot of cutscenes and cinematic like not cinematic cutscenes per se but scenes where you're looking at characters talk as opposed to doing you know a pve thing the whole time and that takes a little bit longer so uh i was talking about how i did the second quest not going to spoil it too much but it requires this one particularly requires that you leave your boat and you go a very far distance away from your boat um the only way i'm going to be able to say this without spoiling it so you'll understand is that you are swimming below your boat you're swimming very far below your boat all the way down to the ocean floor where there are air vents you can breathe down there but the swim down there is sonic the hedgehog underwater breathe panic inducing i'm gonna die (laughs) it's kind of cool but you get down there and then the rest of the quest pretty much takes place down there and you're down there for a while uh me and my girlfriend are just running through this together and we hear a whole bunch of cannons like a lot of cannon fire and we're like huh not a lot of cannons down here underwater firing and then we're like yeah our boat's totally getting fucked right above the surface so we go all right well do we restart this shit kill ourselves and then get our boat and come sailing all the way back out here or do we just keep doing this quest because we're here and we're already here and yada yada um well okay so right away it sounds like the choice is obvious don't waste time just have fun whatever except at the end when you get some pretty sick loot from that quest where are you gonna put it (laughs) you can you're just out here in the middle of the ocean. You forgot you don't have a ride home. <laughs> and you have treasure. So in the game, uh, if you fall off your boat and it's impossible to get back, like say you're, you're sailing and you just fall off and it just drifts that way forever, um, little mermaid NPCs spawn in, in, the, in the water with like a, a torch and like a shiny light that you can see in the middle of the night. It smokes during the day. Pretty cool concept, actually. You click E on them and they're like, here, return to your boat, and then you're on your boat. Uh, you can do that, but in that game, you can't do that if you're actively holding anything in your hand that is like an, like an actual item that can't just go in your inventory, like say treasure or a chest or anything that would be forcing you to only carry one item at a time. So you have this chest now after this amazing quest and uh, you're just kind of sitting there in the ocean with mm-hmm. no way to get it home. <laughs> so... You know, loot in the game isn't everything, but people play the game to grind and get more money, renown, rep, etc. Because in this game, everything you do 
you have at the beginning. All the most powerful weapons, they're all in your inventory. They're just not the most powerful weapons. They're just classes of weapons and what skin and model you use over it. Everything is cosmetic. All the unlocks, everything you pay for is cosmetic. There's no pay to win in this game. It's just what size boat do you want? How many are in your crew? Are they good at operating cannons real fast and repairing the boat when there's holes and you're going to sink and then they need to get water out of the boat, etc.? That kind of thing. Um, you can all do it from the start. It's all on skill. So basically, yeah, when you lose loot, it sucks because that's what you wanted to do. And this is definitely one of those games where the destination is nothing compared to the journey because it's all about the journey in this game. It's all about just what can happen in the moment. Uh, there's lots of just... The game is very carefully tailored to, to make it so you're not going to get ganked all the time. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you go... Okay, there, there's, there's elements working against you. I will not spoil it for anyone who wants to get into it because now is a great time to get into it with the new content added. Um, and that was the main complaint about it for the longest time was what there, there was not enough content, which I have a separate complaint about here in a second. Anyway, uh, I recommend getting into it now. It's great. Uh, you'll spend a lot of time. You'll be relaxed but also it'll be terrifying in, in, in like weird stints of like one minute of terrifying 29 minutes of relaxation and fun another minute of terrifying five minutes of anger and and more terrifying and then uh now either glory or well fuck it i guess we're gonna go back to the outpost and start again <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's 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 cool um but the game tailors it to where it doesn't gank you every time all the time and it even balances it out to where um say okay so like i said you pick your ship there are three classes of ship there's the galleon which is up to four people three to four players recommended got three masts and it's the only boat with two levels above the water every other boat has only one level below below deck with which is underwater um and the reason that's an advantage is because you can take a lot more cannons to your hull if none of those holes in your ship are under the water line. So you got more armor, you got more cannons, probably have more players, you're going to be at an advantage. But it's a slower ship, you can't maneuver it as much, yada yada. Kind of how you think they would balance ships. So then there's, to the opposite end of the spectrum, there's a sloop, which is one of two players, one mast, it's agile, it turns easy, uh, only two cannons, not a lot of armor, etc. So what the game does is it goes, okay, well, if you're going to play on a galleon, well, this server that you're going to be in, you need to pretty much be like one of the only couple of galleons on the entire map. Um, and then that way, there's not too many just gigantic tanks out there wrecking everyone. Or uh, if, you're on, if you're a single galleon, you, you may be put in a server with like eight sloops or, or, eight, or, or four brigandines, um, just to balance that out. So th- in between that, there are the encounters of wild creature bosses and uh i don't want to spoil it <laughs> um other elements that you would also find threatening so i would say one out of every three voyages that i go out uh my boat gets destroyed and that's a lot of the time to be losing your boat so going back to this per- this whole sense of permanence thing here um it sucks a little bit more than I thought it would, especially if you've been doing a lot of quests in areas where there aren't outposts to go and sell all your treasure or booty that you've acquired. Um, mm-hmm. 
And yeah, that just makes it way more painful because <laughs> a lot of times you can see your sh- your ship sink, and then you just see. Um, this game works off a system of if there's treasure in the distance, it'll appear in my view as like a big gleaming star, like a big shiny thing. It draws your attention to it. Um, kind of like how snipers are handled in Battlefield now, where if someone's pointing a scope at you, they'll shine to the player and they'll go, oh, mm-hmm. fuck, what's that in the corner of my sight? And then they'll try to either run away or shoot the sniper or whatever. This is treasure in the game. Also, people sniper rifles and, and, and telescope. So they, they can see each other when you're looking at each other. So that's cool too. But treasure, same thing. So all I see is my ship sink and just this northern lights firework display of treasure chest just <laughs> rising back up to the surface. And then just me realizing, yeah, yeah, they're docking their boat right next to that. And they're pulling in every last piece to go sell themselves. All my hard mm. hours of work. <laughs> <laughs> where I just was like, one more quest, one more quest. Maybe I'll, I'll go to the outpost then, and it'll be even better, and I'll just sell a billion things at once, and it'll be like a, a rush, you know? Yeah. Kind of like how if you're a DPS class in an RPG, like an MMO, you know, you can choose between a lot of damage at once or just uh, a fuck ton of damage here and there. It's mm-hmm. that burst of just seeing how much treasure you can bring back to an island to sell. Especially if you load it up in the, the dinghies, like the little rowboats, lifeboats. You can fill those up and then not have to take your ship all the way into the harbor to get closer to the vendors to sell it more efficiently. Because remember, you can only carry one thing at a time. So you're making yeah. trips. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's more sense of permanence, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at in the game than I realized. And, and, and it made it better. For sure. Nice. Yeah, I could keep talking about Sea of Thieves, but I, I don't want to <laughs> step on there. <laughs> I don't want to put you to sleep. <laughs> I do recommend it, though. If you're looking for a game that gives you that ki- kind of the same, but kind of different pacing as Valheim. There's no yeah, building, yeah. unfortunately, but that that game doesn't need building. In fact, one of the things that I, I found myself disappointed about when I came from Valheim to Sea of Thieves was, man, the sailing in, in Valheim is so cool because... Literally nobody else knows uh, what the map looks like, and you have to discover it. So there's yeah. a purpose to sailing, whereas in Sea of Thieves, everyone's world map is the same. Um, the Reaper's hideout is always at the same island. Uh, the, the fucking... I don't want to spoil too much else geographically because it's just too, too fun to, to come across and learn, but um, there's, there's lots of stuff that you go to uh, that you're like, okay, well... Maybe I won't go over there just because I saw a galleon go over there. So now I know to avoid that area, but like I can come back to that later. Whereas in Valheim, it's just like, well, I'm going to sail this way and we're just going to see what happens for the next two hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like we're, we're going to discover shit that hasn't been discovered or, you know, because it, it would have to work that way in, in Sea of Thieves because the way that the quests work and the way that PvP works and all that sort of thing. But anyway, sailing is like exploring the novelty does wear off because it's the same map. But it's all about what happens in between. That's what the game's really about. Oh, sure. Yeah, and uh, with the, you know, the, with the building and stuff, one thing, as far as losing my uh, hardcore run, um, one thing that I, I was surprised how attached I was to was actually my base and my buildings, right? Because I really liked how I had everything set up. And I could set it up again that way. 
mostly, but if I do, then I'm just doing it again. And it was not this time where I thought of it, you know, and, and made a whole system that I thought was really cool. Um, yeah, well, you, the, you also don't have the burden um, that I found when I was playing Sea of Thieves, which is I need to, if we're going to move, we're going to move. We need a new home. So, like, I need to build a home for a village where you're just one cabin probably, you know? Yeah, yeah. So a lot less to, a lot less to manage while also managing way more because other players aren't doing it. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's where the really interesting balance comes in. Is it's like there's there's you have to do everything, but each thing you have to do a lot less of, you know? Yeah. You don't have to get as much tin and copper. You don't have to get as much food and that kind of stuff because you're only one person, but you have to do all of it. Mm-hmm. And uh and yeah, I I I uh again as I was saying earlier, I I really like the the pacing of how that gets you to to spend every day in the game and spend every minute doing something <laughs> I, useful, you know. I finally under like when I when I learned that from Valheim, I finally understood how my friend Jake, man, it is a relaxed day for him when I come over to his house and I see he's got only three instances of of a fucking uh uh goddammit, RuneScape up. Mm-hmm. Only three. And he's using all three windows and playing something different in all three. Uh, <laughs> he's mostly he mostly plays on four windows to fill up an entire 1080p monitor. He just you know squeezes them to size. Right. Um, and then he's got like YouTube on his second monitor. And recently, I've been seeing him with five windows. <laughs> I just don't understand that man. But I guess if he's doing something menial in every instance, every character that he's playing at that instance at that time. It kind of makes sense because you're 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 putting you're making your brain run on all cylinders, but at a low RPM. You know what I mean. So it makes mm. sense that you're just like hyper involved without really needing to think about it. It's a weird state of mind. Yeah, for sure. So um, yeah, I've got uh, I've I've got a few other things I've been playing too. But you know what I've been thinking about a lot? Just a game that's been on my mind a lot, and I don't think I've talked about it much. Uh, have you played Hollow Knight? I have a friend who's trying to beat it, and I've never heard bad things about it, and I've seen a really cute plushie of it. That's my extent it, of knowledge. This game is incredible, dude. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, oh man, it's one of those games that, that it, it, where you just, you, you think about every other game that you've played, and you're just like, why, why can't they all be more like this one? You know, um, yeah, if you got like, I'm sure most people know what it is, uh, where it's like a, it's like a Metroidvania type game. Oh yeah. Um, and it was a platform. I didn't know it was Metroidvania. So yeah. Uh, and, and so yeah, so it's, it's one of those, um, and it's a yeah, side scrolling platformer melee focused combat though, uh, huh. as far as like how it compares to like super Metroid, yeah. um, is it's, it's melee focused. Uh, there, there are spells that you can shoot though. Um, and it's all, it's got this art style to it where, um, everything is bugs. It's like you, you're, you're like a bug and you use, you fight with a nail, you know? Uh, and, and everything else is like different kinds of bugs. There's like mosquito-y kind of things and beetle-y things. And there's like a dung beetle boss and stuff like that. But 
it's very cartoony with the way that they're drawn, you know? It's all 2D animation yeah. uh, with, like, smear frames and that kind of stuff, you know? Um, really, really great-looking game. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you, the, the thing is, it's one of those games where, like, you can, you can say... That all of these things it does is really good. It it looks good. It sounds good. It's got good controls. It's got good story. It's got good world building or, or and, and a, a well constructed world. But you can dive into each one of those things th those things and be like you 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 gotta understand how particularly good it is at everything. You know. Oh really? Um. Yeah. Like Who for example, uh, Team Cherry. Oh, I've never. I don't heard know of them. what. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they have any other games, uh, at least not that I've heard of. One hit um, wonders, huh? Well, they're they're working on a sequel. Uh so yeah, they're they're they are working on the next one. But uh so like okay, so let's take for example, it's so it's a Metroidvania, right? What that means is that as you play the game, you unlock new movement or combat abilities that unlocks new areas for you. So oh, like places the you've probably already been to. Yeah. Yeah. So so as you're playing the game, you'll see things like a ledge that you can't quite make it up to or a gap that's too wide and that kind of thing, you know? But then hey, you come back with the wall jump power or a double jump or like there's this like shoot forward kind of power, you know? Uh, and then you're able to get through it. And, and, and that's the thing about when people say Metroidvania, right? Why is that a thing that people say? It's just an adventure game. You just get a key to unlock the door, except this time the key is a double jump. Well, that's actually, like, super important that the key is a double jump, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah, because it changes. It's all in the level design. Uh, it, it's all in the level design, and specifically, the double jump is useful in more ways than getting up to that ledge. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? The double jump changes how you play all the time. Yeah. It's a double jump that you're going to be using all the time. And it happens to allow you to also access this new area, right? That's the difference. And this game, Hollow Knight, it, it, um, they're less linear. It's, it's less linear than other Metroidvanias that I've seen where like, there's some stuff like in Super Metroid, you can, break the game you could or well i should say you can like sequence break in super metroid quite a bit you know uh to get the different powers in a different order um but i feel like hollow knight doesn't even make you sequence break like this game uh like it's just the map is much more open from the start it feels like and really? uh yeah, and it seems like you can get the different powers in a very different order each time if you want. Uh, Another thing then, with Metroidvania games, I, I, a lot of them don't tend to have world maps, right? They kind of just, like, you go to different levels by going to different areas of a certain kind of level. Yeah, I, I've seen them with and without maps. Like, mm. uh, the original Metroid doesn't have a map, but then Super, Super Metroid has a map of where you're in. Uh, you know, so you can open up the map and look at the area that you're in, but you can't look at a world map. And you then know later, what? I just Metroid realized that, yeah, because Metroid 2 Return of Samus on Game Boy didn't have any kind of map feature, and that's basically right. why I stopped playing it, because I could not figure it out. Yeah, yeah, that one also didn't. 
Uh, but then later Metroids, like like Zero Mission, that one does have a world map, you know. Mm. Um, but it's kind of abstract, you know. It's like it's like you open the map that that is in the area that you're in, and it shows you all of the different corridors uh, and and you, all the details, right? And then you zoom it out to like an abstract map that's like you're in this area, and then there's other areas. And Hollow Knight actually does the exact same thing as that, where where you have a detailed map of the place that you're in, and then you can zoom it out to, like, the shape of the world, you know, and the oh. different areas like that. Uh, one thing, they're, they're, man, but here's the thing. Just like I'm saying, every mechanic of Hollow Knight, we can, we can talk about how particularly good it is. So what Hollow Knight does is the map doesn't update until you sit down on a bench and the benches are kind of like bonfires in dark souls so it's so, kind of doing the uh, symphony of the night thing where they uh, have the rooms yeah so i've actually not played symphony of the night but okay. um so let me, let me okay sorry okay so okay. I, ha- I haven't either but ritual of the night bloodstained has the mm-hmm. couch too there's like a couch room that's the yeah. save room it's it's just yeah, interesting yeah, yeah. how it's like a couch i don't know <laughs> right um so in Hollow Knight, as you're first exploring, first of all, you'll come across like a dude. So you're in a new area that you've never seen before and you don't have a map for it. And you're not even getting map of the place that you're currently in. You know what I mean? Like as you go into each new room, it's not like adding it to the map. Instead, at some point, you'll find the map maker that you find in all the different areas and he sells you a map that's incomplete. Ah. He's like, he, and he's like a charming character. You know that he's close. Cause you hear him humming, you know, he has his little, <laughs> and when you hear that, you're like, Oh, the map makers here. And you go find him. And then, so he sells, he's like, Oh, I have this much of the map done. Would you like to buy it? So then you have like a half-assed map of the area. And what's so cool about it is that that like shows you kind of an idea of like, here's where maybe you're supposed to go, you know, like this is the important part or something like that. But then from then on, when you sit on a bench, that's when your character gets the opportunity to actually draw them on the map and fill out where you've actually been. You know <laughs> what I mean? So it's like you, you, so as you're exploring unexplored areas, you're kind of in the dark, right? You don't have this constantly updating map. You're having to push out into the unexplored. But then when you get that moment of respite on the bench, that's when your map also updates. And then you can open up your newly updated map and be like, oh, look at all the stuff that I just explored, right? Super, super cool. And, uh, and yeah, as far as like the way that they build the world out, um, not only is it like nonlinear in the order that you can get the power ups, but there are also like several ways to get to the areas. Like, for example, at the beginning of the game, it's a little bit linear because you don't have many powers yet, you know, um, and there's one particular part where where you get the dash power up that lets you just like you know shoot over right and you can do it midair and all that um so that opens up some new exploration options for you and there's two different ways that you can go at this point but both of them 
Both of them have their own set of other things that you spot along the way that like, oh, I can't get there yet and I can't get there yet. But then they both wrap around to the next area where you get the next power up. So there's two ways to go that are both the correct way to go. And they both lead you to the next power up. And then that power up is the one that like totally opens the game up and you can go anywhere after that almost. Uh, you know, to well, by it, anywhere, it I puts mean, it on the access. table that like you need to unlock shit to keep moving forward. Well, it, it just, but the way that like the way that you, the game introduces the idea of going multiple ways to you, and then, but has both of them be the correct way to go, but they both give you a different piece of side information. Huh. I, it's it's so cool. Um, yeah. And then, man, I just... Can, the, can I ask the, you if it does... I want, I want to know if it does yeah. this. And because okay. specifically we're talking about a Metroidvania game, I stumbled across something uh, when I was playing Blaster Master Zero, which I was talking about last week on the, on the, on the podcast. I think it was last week, pretty sure. Yeah, it was. Um, where I was... <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't speak about this then, but it made me realize something that happens in video games that I hate enough to mention every fucking time that it happens. And it is mm-hmm. one of the reasons that I believe uh, justified us in, in creating this podcast, which is getting insanely pissed off about small shit. A lot of people don't even think about probably. Yeah. And you, you, you need a platform to like, to like describe the nuance of why it pisses you off. Ex- express the rage. We need to work through some issues here on the right, couch. Let's, let's hear it. What 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 is what did Blaster Master do to you? Where Blaster Master touched me was on the angry button that happens every t- it gets pressed every fucking time that I'm going into a new area. And the way to go into that new area is, oh, look, it's a door. Well, I guess I want to walk in front of it. It's a 2D side-scroller game, by the way. So think 2D side-scroller, door, what do you do? What do you do when you see a door, when you, when you need to go through it? Uh, in an old game, you, sh- you shoot it, maybe? Any, and any then... two game. No, you don't need to shoot it. It's just a door. Okay, yeah, you walk into it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring up Mario, because Mario is like the chief culprit of why this made me hate it as a kid. Um, this is, <laughs> this doesn't, wait, yeah, getting, okay. getting mad about ta- this is so funny because it's are so, are you talking about a door that's behind you? So you have to press up? No, nope, it's, it's more pedantic than that. Uh, well okay. actually, yes. So that you do have to press up in order to be able to go through this door. You walk up to it. And so, because your, your sprite is in front of it, you have to uh-huh. press up to go through it. Now, <laughs> when you go to the other side of that door. When you go to the other side of that door, a lot of the time, I will pick my controller back up after that level stops loading, and then hit whatever directional movement I need to go to in order to start moving around in the new level, and I walk through the fucking door again, and I'm back at the last level again. This happens oh. every fucking time, almost. Like, it's, it's something about, like, I, I feel like it could be so easily avoided by what like in, making like a countdown timer for like a cool down timer for hitting the up button in front of a door i i could i can see your <laughs> I, well i i'm having trouble understanding exactly what you're describing so you're talking about when you approach a door in a 2d game that's mm-hmm. behind you it's part of the background so you press up 
to go into the door that's yes. in the background. And then you go then, through it immediately. And then, you're... then the room that you appear in on the other side has the door out behind you. And Still. you press up to then leave again. Not to leave, but not on purpose. So essentially... Right. but So you're accidentally pressing up and leaving immediately. Yeah, and I guess I should also specify that the game this is happening on, I'm playing on a joystick, so the effect is even more pronounced. So, when you, so on a D-pad, you'd go forward to not go through that door. You just progress through the level. And mm -hmm. if you pick the controller up weird, if it took a second to load, or you can just grab it and you just, you're excited, maybe you'll hit diagonal up and forward and it'll happen but on a on a stick happens a lot more because sticks are just less precise than d-pads at four dimensional movement um so as soon as i start this next level i'm immediately flipped right back to the level i, I left and i'm like what the fuck <laughs> because okay, i have of, of that weird input that i did i have good news for you about hollow knight Oh. So this is a game where when there's a door behind you and you press up to go into the door, the new scene that you are entered into is uh, the door that you came into is going to be on the left. You know so what I mean? Just like you like walk out of the door, then the scene starts. Uh, well, it's yeah, and and it's a side scroll. It, it, it's kind of like you're. It's kind of like you're turning the camera 90 degrees yeah, okay because you you go into the door behind you and then in the new scene you walk in from the left and that's the door the left side is the door out you know yep. what i mean yeah yeah so that's that's how hollow knight does it that's how it should be uh, done honestly but, so okay man where the hell was i but there you go there's another thing where it's like hey little mechanic hollow knight does it right yeah right. um and yeah, I you know also I I just I, I I love the visuals and the soundtrack of the game and it's 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 I so get it mixed up like fucking good. You know how like you'll be thinking of two different actors that don't look even remotely like each other, but when people talk about them, you mistake each other for them for each yeah. other all the time. This is that for me, except the video game version, and I always get it confused with Ori in the Blind Forest because I think oh, okay. pretty, night, glowy, 2D side-scroller kind of thing. That, that's, they're yeah. the same game in the back of my mind. They are both visually distinct uh, side-scrolling Metroidvanias on the Unity engine by indie developers. Oh, they're both <laughs> Unity. <laughs> I, I, I think they're both Unity. Damn. Um. I've not played Ori yet. I will soon because I'm sure I'll like it. Because I'm starting to realize that like indie platformers are my favorite genre. Mm. Uh, just because they're always the games I just have the, the best time with when I play them. I, there um, is something to say about indie, maybe not even platformers, but just small indie kind of adventure games in general. They're, from, from my experience and... and my first start with it was uh, Undertale, which is a great experience. They're they're they they're just there's so much more thinking outside of the box. I think there's there's yeah, interesting I, way to hand interesting ways to handle things that they that they do. Totally, and I I feel like indie games are a lot more personal a lot of the time as well, mm. where you you can really see like the 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 developer's vision you know what i mean while when you add more and more people to a project i feel like a lot of the time that's the thing that starts to go you know yeah i, I see uh, that yeah so um so the other big thing though is so hollow knight is a game that has combat in it right so you fight shit um so talking about like controls in general real quick um 
so but actually before combat so it's a platformer right and it's one of those it's just I, you know it just it feels really good where it's super responsive on the on the controls and then by the end of the game like uh not to spoil all the all the different abilities that you get but as far as the the different movement abilities you get in the metroidvania style um it feels so good by the end all the different things that you can do in order you know just like the way that you, you you jump over here and then you and then you double jump into a wall jump into an air dash into another wall jump and then you, you and then you have to swing your sword down at something to pogo bounce off of it and then it's kind of like then, what uh, Doom Doom Eternal is now trying to do with 3D shooters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, um, and, and I, I think the biggest thing for it for me for like the platforming feel is that the air dash gets restored like every time that you do anything you know uh as in like you can air dash and then after you wall jump you can air dash again or if you do like or you do like the pogo thing i'm talking about because so when you're in the air you can swing your sword left right up or down you know uh and if you swing your sword down at something you bounce off of it and then you can air dash again after you do that you know so it's like you have so much movement and so yeah. so such an ability to just shoot around. Uh, and I, I love that feeling of a lot of games where you are like a pretty small character on the screen, you know? So you have like a lot of mobility to move around and I, I, I love that feeling. Yeah, Hollow Knight's um, a little, little, little chibi dude. I don't even know what he is. I just see like a little purple outfit and like this little tiny white head. He kind of looks like a... A not fucked up like wood sprite from 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 Spirited Away, I think it was. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying there. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I love his design. He's a cute little dude. And uh, and and so so speaking of combat though, so I mentioned like melee. You can swing in those four different directions. So like you can juggle guys by swinging up. You can pogo on a guy by swinging down at him every time that you bounce on him. You know. Uh, and doing that kind of thing, or you can hit left and right. Uh, then there's spells, you know. You 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 can shoot a projectile, but then you get other spells later, like a like a like a magical ground pound and that kind of stuff. Um, but then here's here's the thing, though. Here's where it's like, okay, so all of this sounds great, but where it gets particularly good, because this game is particularly good in every way, <laughs> is it's got this charm system. Where you you as you play through the game, you find uh, all of these different charms, which have different effects. Like one of them makes it so that when you strike enemies, you get more MP, because that's like where you get your magic power from. Is from when you strike with melee attacks that refills your MP. One of them, you know, it makes you do more, or one of them makes your spells more powerful. One of them makes your melee have a little bit more range. Uh, one of them makes it so you can attack a little bit faster. One of them makes it so you can charge a little bit faster. They all have these different tons of them. You know, there's like 40 charms or something. And what I love about that is that they're, they're very diverse and it's sort of, it's a game where you can play it in a lot of different ways and whatever, as far as like how you like to approach combat and however it is that you like to approach combat, you will be validated Hmm. by a set of charms. You know what I mean? Like, I'm someone who I don't use a lot of magic, and I like to just melee everything, you know, and just be really proficient at just movement and melee. So I can just equip, like, 
there's two different range upgrade charms and you can stack them. So I have like both of those and the power one and the one that makes it so that when you hit guys, you don't get like knocked back a little bit so you can kind of stand ground, you know? It sounds like you have, uh, you have Koei Tecmo, uh, dynasty warriors power ups. So like it, 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 but what I love is that. So I, in my style, I feel super validated where it's like, where I like to play this way, and there are charms in the game that make it better. You know, want to do this here? Be a badass at it, right? But if you like to be a magic user, then you use the give me more soul, make the spells more powerful, and you know that you know a couple of those charms. And now you, as a magic user, you are validated. You know, I'm actually curious. Uh, have you played Magician Lord? Mm-mm, never even heard of it. Magician Lord is one of the few not fighting, not uh like beat 'em up not puzzle not sports games that were on the Neo Geo um it was a platformer and it was definitely a platformer that was designed as an arcade game because you die a lot like mm-hmm. you it's it's hard honestly it's like it's castlevania level hard i would i would say um not necessarily well no never mind yeah in uh, about your in just about every way that matters in how Castlevania is hard, I would say. Except Magician Lord, you're like this wizard character. It's a platformer game, side-scrolling platformer. Uh, you go left and right, kind of like how Castlevania is. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a Metroidvania. I would just need to have a little bit more experience with it. But I don't want experience with it because it's fucking hard. And it's mm. not rewarding to be good at. <laughs> but gotcha. but it's a it's a platformer game. Where you are, this little wizard dude. Like I said, you got a you got a staff. You you shoot projectiles. I think is your main weapon. Like you sh- you you have spells. Um, it's a hard platformer game. You're a wizard and you shoot shit. And that's about the extent of my knowledge because that's as far as I could tolerate playing. But it is known for being hard. But mm-hmm. honestly, I have heard a lot of people say that it's one of their favorite platformers ever. And you know. If Castlevania is hard and people found the, the 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 love of the environments, the bosses, and all that worth learning those mechanics over enough to beat Magician Lord, maybe there's something there. And I think if you are a person who's into that kind of side scroller platformer kind of thing, I would give that a shot. Um, hmm. Any old emulator will run it if you need. Uh, pretty much, I would think. <laughs> yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, Magician I'll Lord. check it out. Um, I forgot why I brought yeah. that up. <laughs> I think I brought it up because there was... Uh, oh, no, I was going to bring up something before that that was also unrelated. So go ahead, finish what you were thinking. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, well, I mean, just to... like, I, I mean, I'm just... I get, I'm just fucking gushing about this game, really. Um, I mean, there's a, a couple more aspects to it where it's like... Are, do you like hard games? Well, this game does it particularly well where like I think that the like the main quest of it is is decently challenging, right? With some really good challenging stuff near the end. Uh but it's I wouldn't say it's too hard, but they did add like an optional uh expansion to the game that's this other area. Uh, that's like mega fucking turbo hard for the people who want that, you know, Mm. but the stuff that's in there, 
There's a couple things in there that's re- that's really fun. There's like a few boss rushes that are in there that that uh, that are are decently challenging. Um, but once you get to like the mega way too hard stuff, um, that stuff doesn't count towards your completion percentage. Really, it's oh. just for like the completion within that expansion. Does it go by like an, an actual percentage or? Uh, so you have a, a percentage completion on okay. your save file, yeah. And so, like... They're the doing the stuff... Crash Bandicoot thing, then, with Crash 3, where, like, you can get to 100, but there's still actually more, and you can actually get to, like, 105%. Exactly. Yeah. But, like, but yeah, but that's only for, like, the, the people who, like, are really, they need, you know, they need the hardest shit mm. ever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, like, even got that going, where, where they draw the line just right on, like... How difficult do we make the stuff that is required, you know? Um, yeah. And then, speaking of stuff that's required, there is one funny thing about the game, though, which is that you can beat it, like, really early on. Oh. Uh, but all... And the first time that I played it, I just kind of did all the required stuff and beat it, like, immediately and just went like, oh, what a cool game. And then that was it, you know, and, that, and I was done with it for a while. And then it wasn't until like two years later, three years later, that I went back to it. I was like, I'm going to do another playthrough of that game because, you know, I, it, it, was all, it was pretty cool, you know. And that was the time where I, I didn't end it early and I actually did all of the, like, everything. And it's funny because all of the best stuff in the game is after the point where you could roll the credits, you know? Um, and it all leads up to, like, another ending, right? Like, th- there's a true ending. Uh... And that's the thing, is if you get the true end, all the shit to get the true ending is the best, most fun, most interesting stuff in the game, you know? So it's kind of funny that I feel like there's probably a lot of people like me who got the regular ending and then didn't go back to the game. And if that's one of you out there, well, go back and go back and 100% the game. I was just going to say... Uh, hats off to Hollow Knight because if I play a game and I enjoy the main quest and go, okay, well, I can see that this is going to be a long experience, uh, I'm most likely going to take the main quest and then say fuck it after that. Unless you do your game like that where you go, oh, well, that's not the real ending. Or, oh, maybe you just got the bad ending, actually. So yeah. if you just do the thing that like you think you're supposed to do, well, the game the thing the game I'm thinking about actually is Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. Um no spoilers, so cuz I want you to play that game. That's a that's a that's a great game to play. I, I would say the story pretty much lets you feel it out how you think it should be felt out. And when you do that, you get to the end of the game, the actual end of the game. But like it's super like you don't feel good about what happened like it's a tragedy about what's going on it's not good it's not a good part of the story one of the characters that's been your been a help to you has is is i'm not gonna spoil anymore it's not cool Uh what happens (laughs) but you learn that that's actually only like one of a couple endings and if you want the good ending that explains more of what's going on in the universe and all that if you hide that by like, hey, beat 
these two more bosses get this item and put it here or some shit like that i am going to be there i'm not going to i'm not even going to care about the 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 quote unquote real ending of the game but 9 times out of 10 if they don't have that shit out in there i'm not going to play that game again if i beat it i beat it like right now sonic adventures i beat that game as sonic i'm not playing that shit again <laughs> i liked the sonic playthrough i'm not interested enough to go back to play the fucking gigantic robot rabbit or whatever the fuck his name is yeah, yeah. So that's a good topic because that that gets into the last part uh, uh, that there is to talk about with Hollow Knight, um, which is the story. So I think part of the reason that I put the game down uh, after the after the beating of it the first time was that I had no fucking clue what happened in the story, you know? It's one of those things where it's like the world that you're in is really cool and all of the dialogue that all the NPCs say is really great. Where like all the characters, you know, you're like, I like this character and that's, a, you know, he's got like a personality and he talks like this and he says these things and this is what he's interested in. And I love that, right? You meet all these interesting characters and, and, and all that. Uh, and like the world has so much like environmental storytelling where you can kind of pick up on some general things but w as far as what actually happened in the cutscene at the end of the game originally i was just like i got i i don't know uh, you know i i didn't know whether it was a true ending or not because it was it was so vague you know uh kind of annoying so, it's kind of obnoxious that when you think about it it's like game developers will make you think you beat the game and then like i don't know what percentage of the people like me will just leave and just be like wow fuck that game <laughs> well that that's the thing is that like well i i didn't say fuck that game well, i yeah, said yeah. i said boy i sure don't know what happened on that ending but that was sure a great game and then that was it you know mm. but that's the thing is that yeah it was so cryptic that i didn't even really know i didn't really understand how it like if you if you understand that ending then you would understand how like unsatisfying it is yeah. as far as like what you what you should be doing um and uh but yeah I, but i didn't have that you know but then then uh when i went through and did all the all the 100 percent stuff later like so many more just like incredible plot points happen where you're just like holy shit it's it's there's so much more to it you know Mm -hmm. Uh, however, even so, even so I could tell that everything was really epic and cool and there's these very important things happened, but I still wasn't totally sure what really was happening in the game, even when I did hundred percent it. So I've been going and watching YouTube videos about the story of it lately. And, uh, and it, it puts me at a at a weird spot because it's like partly i feel kind of either like i'm a little dumb or <laughs> the game is maybe a little too cryptic or something but it's like so much like if if you if someone explains to you what happens in the game they're like yeah this is how it works and here's how we know this because this character says this thing right here and then they specifically use the word ghost let's say well there's only one other time in the entire game that a character says ghost and it's this time where it's like some connected thing you know 
or like on this part of the game, they used the word focus. And there's only a couple other parts of the game where the word focus is used and they're all very specific. And this is what they say. And oh, wow, we can put all that together. And yeah, I think we got it like a theory here of what's happening. I think I hate and, this. <laughs> and like, well, it's like someone explains it to you and you're like, that's fucking incredible. Like this, like, like the world is so incredibly well thought out and all of the dialogue and all of the writing is super specific, you know, uh, where like there is, like I'm saying, there is a vision to this game, you know, but it is cryptic to the point where like, I don't, I, you know, I, I need someone to explain it to me. But when they explain it, I'm like, boy, that's really cool. And I like the fact that it was done this way. I like that, you know, they put in the hint here and the hint here and they're connected via this thing and everything makes sense if you just fucking look at it, you know. But I can't do it myself, so it's a little frustrating, you know what I mean? I think it's, if, if there's just... It... If you scatter the pieces of your puzzle way too thin for me, there's a chance that, especially for me uh, in my not-so-common <laughs> perspective as a streamer, if there's just more shit to pay attention to over like a smaller span of time, I'm probably going to miss half the details just because totally. there's other things I'm, I'm involved in. So Yeah, same here. I, um, I don't need mental gymnastics when I'm trying to play a game. I mean, I, I realize this kind of makes me sound like I'm coming off as like I can't put two and two together a lot of the time, but like it's it's not that. It's just when there are things that, like you said, are just way too cryptic that are just – when you exp I guess when you explain the game and it sounds like a weird – fan theory then i guess that's where you lose me because if it's just esoteric enough to where i can't get that from my own playthrough i'm just like eh, whatever totally and there's something to be said about how difficult it is to pick up on a story when you're trying to like pay attention to game mechanics and stuff as well and being a non-linear game people are going to be you, you know you are going to see all of the different story elements in a different order than other people did you know yeah. and that kind of oh, thing oh you totally um, that too and and a lot of the times when i when i play games like that i i'm the type of person man i'm easy to be drawn in my own direction so like when i follow mm -hmm. that way a lot of the times dude it is i'm actually now realizing this has happened a lot more in my life than i realized but <laughs> i I've played a lot of games where like i'll have a problem and i'm like dude what, what do i do here or where do i go here what do I, and then and then like the response on the other person's face is how the fuck did you get there at this point or why are you there at this point of the game? Like it's because I'm I'm ADD. I like exploring things, and when something catches my fancy, I'm gonna go in that direction only, and and, and only that direction for the next thirty minutes. And I'm gonna find out what the fuck is in this direction only yeah. for thirty minutes. <laughs> well, this is one of those games that will reward you for doing that, you know, by hmm. giving you like a different playthrough than other people got, because you'll find something there, yeah, you know, for sure. and it'll just be like, oh, I got the I got the sword upgrade already. Well, you got the sword. You didn't get the other thing yet no you know anyway yeah, it's, it's um, kind of funny actually the whole time you've been t talking about the different uh, like movement upgrades or whatever every time um it's brought up in this conversation i don't know why but my mind is immediately brought to donkey kong country on snes where when you unlock abilities it's just that big 
like that little graphics test that Rare would do with the gold and the blue logo, like the little like 3D uh, little icon that would just rotate uh, 360 degrees in its place, just spinning for you to catch. And it was like, oh, this is the double jump icon. So once you unlock that, not is this Donkey Kong Country? This it, is not Donkey Kong Country. I'm very on. confused. There, there is something like this. Wait a minute. No. Oh, it's coming. Are you talking about Donkey Kong 64, maybe for 64. Definitely not. No. Uh, this is one of those. Okay. Wow. What game is this? Okay. Imagine a blue icon with like an arrow and then like a dotted arrow, like to signify a double jump. Now, oh, Crash Bandicoot Warped! Is this. that warped? Is that warped? Yeah, I'm thinking. Totally. Okay. Yeah. All right. I couldn't yeah, remember. It, it was warped. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like a tile. Yeah. That is blue and in gold. It's like the logo and it spins. Yeah. Totally. That's yeah. that's Crash Warped. Yeah. So I'm thinking warped because I played that a lot as a kid. Um. As soon as you get that icon, then it's like, hey, whoa, what is this I can do now? That's mm-hmm. that's a cool feeling to get in a game. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And uh, so, yeah, ultimately with the story of, of, of Hollow Knight, I feel like it's, it's, uh, well, let's, let's talk about Dark Souls. Um, It's one (laughs) of those games where like most of the story has already happened and you are in the world that the story happened in and by the, and the environment tells you the whole story, you know? And Mm -hmm. if you read, you know, if you read uh, like the like item descriptions if you read uh bestiary entries and that kind of stuff you get little tidbits here and there and then everything else is like visual storytelling in the environment and all of that right so everyone who plays it kind of sees the whole story in a different order but because it's not like a piece by you know thing by thing plot then it doesn't really matter that you know it doesn't it works that way um and yeah i it's just like i again i i really like the way that the story is told even though i do kind of need someone to tell me what happened at the end (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah it's it's uh it it does that kind of stuff uh but the ultimate thing about it though too that i'm realizing is like I'm not much of a Western fantasy type person, you know, with like, oh, you're elves and dwarves and dragons. I'm just like not really into that shit very much. But I do think that like uh, Dark Souls did it really well because which I I think that Eastern developers are like or, you know, I I think can take that kind of um, uh, setting and make it interesting. But now I'm playing or I'm looking i'm thinking about hollow knight and i'm playing it and that game is like it's just as well thought out i feel like as dark souls and 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 those kinds of stories the 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 way that the story is told to you and all the different layers to the story and what overall happened you know and all that kind of stuff i think it is all just as well thought out as dark souls at least right but I think that the setting of Hollow Nest, you know, with the bugs and the and the you know the caverns and all the different types of of bugs and and the overall story and setting that they're telling, I think is so much more interesting than a story about dragons. You know what I mean? Like I fucking love it. It's so unique. You know. I I, I want to explore this a little deeper. So. 
one of the things I remember you talking about in a previous podcast was that you're a bigger fan of Eastern developers when it comes to Eastern fantasy and such. Uh, not not a big fan of Western fantasy, et, et cetera. So mm-hmm. my question is, um, why, I guess? Because, like, with Western fan, Okay, so I guess I should preface this. I was a JRPG fan before I was a Western fantasy fan. And... I think the reason why was because I kind of had that same exact kind of mindset of, well, shit, um, I'm, I, I, I'm tired of knights and dragons and all the same goddamn thing over and over again. Uh, well, yeah, that's, that's like, you know, there's a lot of Western fantasy that comes out of Tolkien, but like Tolkien like invented this shit basically from what I, from what I understand. Uh, so it's understandable that Western fantasy has a lot of that theme to it, but Western fantasy games, there are some, well, okay. I can think of two that are like spawned off of like, you know, what Tolkien created and all, but like are entirely, entirely insanely deep universes that I've gone down the rabbit hole on, which is like, um, the elder scrolls series and Warhammer. Big fan of Warhammer as well. Warhammer 40k specifically, which I guess is still technically Western fantasy. Um, mm-hmm. It's just Western sci-fi. It's just, yeah. But, like, there's just... I guess for me, I'm the type of person when it comes to fantasy where if there's a lot there, I'm going to be there to read it. Like, when it came to uh, Mass Effect, man, I was reading every last journal entry. Like... Down to the whole explanation of what a red shift and a blue shift is on an astrophysical, like astrophysics level, I am so fucking down to read all that shit. And that's not necessarily fantasy. That's just like you know science. But that's what I'm saying. When 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 a game from a, like a Western role playing game kind of perspective like lays it out all there for you, and there's a lot to lay out, I'm gonna be so interested and invested. If it's not just that normal dragon clone, like oh fuck, I don't wanna. Uh, I'm a knight, I'm going to go kill a dragon, he's going to breathe fire, and then, you know, there's gold or some shit, you know? Now, that may be the plot of The Hobbit, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but, like, there's so much more there in the universe to get enraptured in that, like, I feel like... what 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 is your level of involvedness? I guess in 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 what you've learned from like Western games. Like, what don't you like about Western fantasy? Uh, you know, I I think a lot of it might have to do with the level of exposition. Uh, in that, like, if if you're just gonna tell me about shit, okay, let me give you a perfect example of the it. kind of shit that I hate. I was watching someone play uh, Mass Effect recently, and there is the part where you first get to the Citadel, and you're talking to um, that, like, short... You know how there's the guys that are, like, elephants that, like, say their expressions before they talk? I'm going to laugh so hard if you saw the same thing I saw. Go ahead. And then next to him is, like, the short guy that's a Volus, Volus. I think they might be called. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you have this conversation with him, I think, where you're just like, what What are the politics like with the Volus, you know? And he's like, well, it's something like this and something like this. And he, like, gives you this, like, overall explanation of politics with this, with this race. And that, I, first, I, it's, it, it's, it's so unrealistic to me that you would ask a guy about politics and he would give you this, like, really, um, 
what's the word like really impartial explanation of okay, like okay, some yeah. people think this and some people think this instead of him being someone who has opinions yes okay, and it's just, on, this yeah. is how it is and those are their assholes okay but you have to realize you're on the citadel everyone there is basically supposed to be an ambassador they have to kind of just they're, they're already taking the role of representative of their own kinds like place in the alliance of these people in space so i guess if you're going to ask how politics are the with with a within a certain race you know like in general their first you know their their ambassador instincts are probably going to be okay well this person's perspective is not my own so i have to explain it in a way that they'll understand and so that they understand okay well our people tend to go this way on this or they tend to be this way in 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 temperament or something like that so i understand things like that that wasn't going to throw me off because i knew the setting of where i was i was like okay so everyone here is put here to essentially promote di good diplomatic relations with each other hmm. especially i like on the your Citadel. explanation i th i think that i that is a very good response to my complaints um <laughs> Cause, uh, but, but, but like, can, I, can I, I expand on your complaint though? Because I have a complaint sure. with that scene. <laughs> okay. So I thought you, I, I, I didn't, I didn't think you actually would be, but I was, I was looking at my friend Vegan Tyler, uh, experience the, the, cause they just released the new remastered collection, I guess, of Mass Effect. Yeah. So he was playing that. Um, and he gets to that exact fucking scene and he's like talking to the guy and the guy's like, I, I he's going through this like long detailed nuanced explanation of what the Volus's people are. And you know as soon as you kind of reach the end of a dialogue uh string with an NPC, you go back to like your three or four base questions you can ask. Um well, <laughs> well like when you first go to a place in an RPG, a lot of uh, they like to softball in things by giving like you the first response you can ask is what is this place? <laughs> so, mm -hmm. like, he's getting all these crazy, like, responses from like this guy, like, talking about politics or our people are this way or, man, I just had some crushing news about what happened in this sector over here. And, like, once you fully explore that, he accidentally clicks, just clicking through the dialogue, just clicks one of the main canned response, like, the, the beginner responses again. And so it goes to his character. And so um, what it amounts to is you just having this conversation with this guy, like I said, it's all nuanced and, and you're learning things and there's mixed emotions going on is what's going on. And then you're just like, yeah, yeah so what is this place and like it's like <laughs> the character's like super aggressive as it starts the new string of dialogue and it oh, just breaks shit. the cadence of the conversation <laughs> so fucking hard like i i i, I just fucking told you to, whoa like where is this energy coming from <laughs> man like so speaking of that i mean okay look i don't i don't want to get it uh, uh, then you become a fucking specter and it's like wait didn't you just fucking learn what a volus was like five minutes ago, lady? Like, how yeah. how are how is this a anyway? Well, that's anyway. actually okay. So that's taken care of too, because every the reason the volus are upset is because the humans are advancing way faster in the the hierarchical standing. Ridiculous! It's so unbelievable that someone who, who doesn't know anything about any of yes. these aliens. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's exactly right, though. 
that that um, part there is weird. But it didn't break okay. my illusion of it. There's just so, so much the, there. So the reason I'm bitching about this though is I, I I feel like a lot of Western fantasy is caught up in explaining things to you, while a lot of Eastern stuff that I've seen is more about you're in the place and the people are going to act uh uh like they're just gonna act how they are normally and so you have to infer the greater details from that you know what i mean like someone's gonna give you a really one-sided opinion about something and you have to infer that that's only one side of it you know and that kind of thing um i've never picked up on that i mean there I, there are definitely games that spend way too much time explaining themselves to you but i i've never picked on up the japanese kind of like or you know eastern developers have that kind of flow to them yeah i mean maybe i'm but like it, it i i it's probably just happens to be a selective few things that i've you've also been playing shinigami tensei you know? and i i assume that 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 universe is immense and weird anyway uh you you know it's Shin Megami Tensei is is surprisingly um, uh, small, I would say. Like, it all takes place in Tokyo, pretty much. Mm. Um, And, you know, there are, like, there are, uh, like, it it gets into more, um, like, philosophical differences between the different uh, races. And that's kind of what I'm talking about, where it's like, so you don't need anyone to explain to you what Tokyo is, you know? Yeah. It's just, so that's where it takes place. But then all of the, like, dialogue that you have with the demons, they are all, they're all very personal, and they have their own thing that they are interested in, you know? And they don't really just explain shit to you about how the world works, really. You have to infer all that from people who are going about their daily lives and talking about okay, their daily I, lives. Okay, I see what you, you know? mean now. Yeah, all right. Yeah. And then, like, when you do get into... You know, and, and, and right, and so, like, like the the chaos demons will ask specific things of you, you know? And they're basically just like, the other guys are jerks, and so I want you to go do this, you know? And then you have to go to the other people who are like, they're fucking nerds, idiots, yeah, you should do this, you know? And so you have to hear each different side from that side, and you kind of put yourself together this mental picture of like, oh, I get it, like, you know, the Why chaos am I thinking- side... I'm thinking uh, Yakuza Shenmue vibes here because there's a lot of that because that's that's one of those games where, I'll, okay, I can't speak for Yakuza, but Shenmue, you're playing this single perspective the entire time, walking around in different environments, hearing different things from different people about different events and different sides to what happens to those events. So you kind of have to piece that together. Uh, mm-hmm. as, as much as Shenmue can be considered an RPG, I see that now. Yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, to sum up everything I was talking about, uh, Hollow Knight is maybe one of the best games I've ever played, and everyone should play it. It's amazing. Now, I think cute little side-scroller platformer, and uh, there's another thing that comes into the mix now that you say it's your favorite game of all time, because it's like it's like graphically, just graphically, this, Ori, and Wings of V are the same game in my head. Yeah, well, uh, Wings of V um, is not a Metroidvania. No, uh, it's not. But uh, but yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's, that's also a side-scrolling indie 
platformer where you have a lot of character mobility and you move a little dude around the screen super quick and fight a bunch of dudes and it's hard and it's great and yeah it's great yeah i i like when games take that simple concept and do it kind of differently like i'm 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 still really enjoying the idea that i'm a fucking tank doing this shit in blaster master and also oh yeah i can have uh I can have like Game Boy graphics when I get out of the tank and go into a dungeon where I have top down views and just shoot shit that way. And it's like a half like it's it's like the halfway point between a shoot 'em up game and uh and, and I guess uh an adventure game where it's not quite shock troopers or Ikari Warriors, but it's also not quite Pokemon or Earthbound. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Same kind of same kind of vibe, but with more action in either case. Yeah, and uh, uh, the, so the I, I mentioned earlier about like the singular uh, person the the um when you have a smaller team, there's more of a vision, right? And mm-hmm. uh, I think with Wings of V, it that you see that a lot with um, like you were saying, where it takes like a simple concept and it just does it really well uh, as far as the platforming. That game, like the way that it the levels are designed is so incredibly clever that like every time that you see uh, uh you, you get to a new room and it's like you die and or you you try to do it a certain way and it doesn't work and you try to do it another way and it doesn't work and you keep you, and you're just like, what the fuck? Like, how do I use the tools that I have to get through this? And then, like, you finally have, like, the moment, you know? Like, th- like the way that it's designed has a certain thing to it that, like, hints that, like, if you do it differently in this way, maybe you can get through it, right? And then, so, okay, oh, I'll try that. I'll do this and then this, you know? Like, I'll reverse the the order that I usually do things in. And, whoa, it works. And it's like a it's like a conversation that you just had personally with the developer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where they're, where it's like, they put something there and it's like, eh, eh. And you're like, uh, uh, oh, oh. It is fun. And the developer's fun. like, uh, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, it is fun to connect the dots for sure. Right. And it's like, it, like it's, it's such a personal connection that you get with the person who designed it, you know? And I, I see that. that. Yeah. That's the kind of thing that only video games can do, you know? And, uh, and when it's, and when you have like a specific like Wings of V was made by one guy, right? So you all, yeah, so it's 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 even more of like a personal thing, right? That Where is that like, is pretty cool. I never thought about that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where you get to just really, you're you're yeah. It's exactly as you said. You're having a conversation without speaking in an interesting mm-hmm. way, for sure. Damn. Well, man, I uh, I, I came to the table this this week with with very little. I thought I was going to have a little bit more steam with that whole doorway thing because that man that pisses me off. But <laughs> I didn't think I'd have <laughs> anything else to say about that. I just fucking hate it when I go into a level and then I'm immediately cast back. That's just a quick yeah. annoyance that pisses me off. But I, I seem to remember that being a particular problem, like uh, in that what was that Zel- Wand of Gamelon, that oh. terrible Zelda game. Oh my god! Wait, wait, wait! Hang on, Wand of Gamelon is that the CDI game? Yeah, Jesus. That, that one has that problem where you go into doors and then you accidentally leave. Because part of the reason is that like that the game button does not need any more to problems. open the menu is like the same button as the one to go through a door. But whenever you go indoors, the room is dark. So like the first thing you have to do is open your menu to oh, use a torch or Jesus something. Like Christ. yeah, 
You're zigzagging the same button. You're using the same button to do different things. (laughs) Mm-hmm. I I haven't uh, man, I I know there's probably not a more masochistic sentence out there on average than I really wish I owned a CDI, but I really want a Philips CDI just to fuck around with. I I know the games that I'm gonna get for it are not gonna be a source of joy or or engagement, <laughs> but I want I want to I want to experience the vision that they had for the future and just see how dog shit it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's make a video game console out of what's that? Sh- you know, like what's the best part of, of putting a DVD in? Yeah. The menus, man. When you navigate, when you go up and down and then you hit something and you hear the disc drive go like chirp just for a second and then take two seconds to load. And now you're in another menu. Let's make oh, a yeah. fucking platformer out of that shit, man. Mm-hmm. The response time is terrible, oh. and like, oh yeah, I want yeah. it. Yeah, I want those yeah. weird proto HTC Vive uh, 3D controllers that are just corded and hooked up to what looks like a VCR. <laughs> well, you know, and if you want to play those shitty CDI Zelda games, and you you don't have a CDI, they did like relatively recently release them on PC in a oh, very playable way. It's actually not the Zelda games that I want to play. Uh, game Grumps made a video a series of them playing a golf game on the CDI. Did you I talk about this before? We've talked about this, yeah. Okay, we have. Mm-hmm. Okay, That's the one I want to play with, Eugene Levy. I need that in my life. I need, yeah. I need to experience... I, I don't think I've experienced true unbridled rage from a video game, but I think mm-hmm. that can bring that out in me, and I think I'm looking for that experience. <laughs> what if the CDI had a fishing game on it that was like that? Uh, I would need you to tell me the title and price of that stat <laughs> because it can't be good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually think that. Well, okay. Damn it. All right. I'm sorry for, if there are any CDI enthusiasts out there. Um, I get it. If you're a CDI apologist, I understand. If you're a CDI enthusiast, g- get therapy. I, I'm curious as to what it takes <laughs> to become a CDI enthusiast, and it can't be a fishing game. I refuse to believe. I mean, if you're enthusiastic about the CDI, it's got to be like. It's one of those things where, well, it's the same reason that you want one. Right. Yeah. Just that like there there's this like there's this curiosity to it and there's this desire to just know more about this weird thing. You know what I mean? Uh, You know that you know that company that made that really shitty TV that you used to play video games on? Well, what if they also made a really shitty console? That's my curiosity. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it well, was all right. I think that was before Philips merged with Magnavox, or was that after? I can't remember. I didn't even know that that was a thing that happened. Yeah, uh, there are certain okay because I'm a CRT nerd. There's actually, boy, if you uh, okay, so I don't know of any Philips or Magnavox sets that I would find desirable, unless we were in a real and we eventually will be in a real CRT scarcity where S-Video even becomes desirable, then you'd probably see some want for these sets. But there are some TVs that say Philips Magnavox. Like, you know how Philips, oh, okay. is their logo is just the word Philips with like that same font, but Magnavox yeah. has this sans-serif, like, 
uh just well it's the word magnavox with no serifs but like they put it together and they like did the, the the phillips was like inverse color where it was like in a like it was it was a rectangle so the magnavox and phillips logo are here and one's just color reversed so it's like okay yep it's like hey let's 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 advertise our merger on our products like that'll sell them like i don't understand what the thinking was there but yeah there there mm. are phillips magnavox sets and the only reason i'm curious about phillips and Magnavox is because both of these companies made video game consoles. They made the Philips CDI, respectively. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. As well as the and Magnavox the, Odyssey and yeah. the Odyssey 2. Um, yeah, I came close there to were several Odyssey. Odysseys. Yeah. yeah. And, dude, the, like, I haven't heard great things about Odyssey games. Um, you know, everyone back then was either an Atari or Commodore person. It, there was no in between. Um, I'm speaking a little bit before my time because I was born about five, six, seven years after these game these game consoles were made. But like the Odyssey, as far as like graphics design and cartridge design, is fucking badass, man. Like I don't want to get too deep into this, but like the cartridges like had handles where you could just pull them out, and mm-hmm. and and like. All of their graphic design was like f- first of all the word Odyssey for Magnavox say, was had a cool look to it. It looked, it looked like a band logo. When you say graphic design, you're talking about like the cover art, right? Not even the cover art, but the cover art was good. I mean, it's classic. I mean, okay, when I say good, you're talking about a person like who like thinks like Manila Road is the epitome of metal. Okay, so that that kind mm-hmm. of dealing <laughs> of 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 like what fantasy art in metal would look like. So yeah, it looks good in that kind of like really shitty, uh, like amazing that no one recognizes way, in that it's like just nerdy but cool. But like the Odyssey, like like font itself looked like a stoner metal band's logo. It was crazy. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, but like, yeah. I mean, I've never seen any gameplay on the Magnavox Odyssey or the Odyssey Two, which I, I hear you need the Odyssey Two. I think the Odyssey is actually pretty hard to find compared to the Odyssey Two, just because of its popularity. But it's still relatively tiny compared to Atari. So, mm-hmm. yeah, mixed bag. I don't know if any if any retro like super like retro eighty like early eighties gamers are are, are are here in the comments section on YouTube. Let us know how those games work, because I'm curious. I need to get one of those. Well, you just you just said a new phrase. Remember when we were talking about what constitutes retro? And we, and one of the things we said was that we're, there's going to be a new word, right? Like, maybe we're going to start saying that, like, PS2 is retro and uh, NES is vintage, you know, or something like that, right? Yeah. You just said super retro. I said super retro for lack of better terms, though. <laughs> mm-hmm. But that, but the the uh, that that's the thing though is that the the intent was there, right? Of like, wait a second, we need to distinguish mm, yeah. the Odyssey from the NES here. There is a there's a gap there where it's extra. It's super retro. I I, I think it's just easier to go by like, are you uh, a are you a Gen Xer? Are you a millennial? Are you Gen Z? Because then that's that's generally like. What period did you grow up in? That's kind of probably where you draw the lines of like, okay, well, I'm a, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a Gen Zer, so like my first console was PS2, maybe Wii, maybe PS3, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, there's that, there's those people who probably think PS1 is just completely irrelevant because, the, I mean, yeah, it's the first PlayStation, but I didn't fucking play that show when I was a kid. 
They don't know what right. that shit is at all. That's the shit that their their dad, uh, which hopefully they had, <laughs> was probably trying to introduce him to to get him into games as a kid, you know? Mm-hmm. And then they just did their own thing. I, I'm speaking way too much for an entire population of people. I'm just assuming what I assume that experience is like. But, yeah, it's what, what would they call retro? What, what are the kids that had Wii's first going to call retro? Because whatever yeah. it is is going to break my soul. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I'll... That yeah right you're not gonna want to hear it but uh, but I I do th- you know if you think about it like PS2 was 15 years ago right <laughs> no <laughs> question mark <laughs> I don't yeah. I don't want to believe that but PS2 is also just a special case it's more fair to say like Xbox GameCube you know because PS2 just lasted so long PS2 is an outlier I would yeah. say yeah. Okay, but like, well, fuck, I don't know. We can go forever for this, and another time. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to realize that PS2 is a lot more than 15 years ago because 15 years ago was 2006. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. That's when the PS3 came out. <laughs> PS3 came out. Oh fuck! Fuck! <laughs> it hurts. I think my back just hurt li- listening to that. Mm. <laughs> my God. Okay, well, we can be dinosaurs another day. All right, yeah. I'll uh we'll see you next week, everybody. First I hope of all, you guys enjoyed. Before mm-hmm. we before we end though. Yeah. Uh thanks to all who've listened up to this point. This is episode 20. Oh yeah, we you're right. We made a big deal about 10, but this is 20. Yeah, which is actually a really good sign because uh first of all, I've heard the statistics are I think if you get past 14 podcast episodes you're doing something that is most likely going to be able to last a lot longer i think i think 14 is the number most podcasts give out by the end of so it's cool it's cool that we found this vibe uh talking about retro shit for sure Mm -hmm. and uh if y'all are still listening to this by the end of the episode where we realize this uh you know if you haven't seen that this new thing called the title of the episode already and made that inference thank you for watching we appreciate you for being here for number 20 Excellent. Well, not watching, but, you know, listening. (laughs) Yeah. Have a good one. Yeah. Later, guys.